Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Catherine Price, senior reporter at The Caterer, one of hospitality's leading trade publications. Coming up on today's show, Cat attempts to break the internet with this sentence. Friends of friends and friends and friends and friends of friends. Phil reveals the extent of his exercise capability. And the children's workouts were absolutely my level for about two weeks. And Kat talks to us about that time she met Tom Kerridge. No idea what to say to the man. Nothing intelligent came out of my brain. All that and a whole lot more as Kat talks us through her story and journey to date. Chatting to Kat really was a treat and another indication of the diversity of opportunity available within hospitality. Don't forget to give us a like and a share and we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hospitality Meets with me, your host, Phil Street. Today, I'm delighted to welcome to the show uh, a lady who I've known for a good couple of years now. We met through doing pantomime, of course, Um, and since then I've got to know each other a little bit better. Uh, Delighted to welcome to the show, Catherine Price. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, very good indeed. It's uh, the sun is shining, except I'm indoors recording this, so <laughs> it's not all bad, not all good. Uh, but we're staying at home. We're doing the right thing. <laughs> Indeed, exactly, <laughs> saving lives. Um, great. Well, uh, Catherine, bef- I suppose before we get into anything, maybe you could kick things off by just giving us a, a an overview of of what you do. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, my name's Cat Price. I am a senior reporter at the um, at the Caterer Magazine. Um, It's a hospitality trade publication and we cover everything from hotels to pubs and bars, restaurants, food service. Um, We've been going now for about 142 years, I want to say. I think it's 142. Really? Yes, 142, I think it's this year. Yes. And and you've been there for the whole time? Of course, yes, absolutely. been driving it from the start. (laughs) So I've been there for about four years now. Um, Yeah, so... That's, and yeah, I guess um, in terms of what I do, um, as I said, I'm a reporter, so mostly focused on news. Um, the day, you know, so the kind of the news stories that you see on the website. That's yeah, that's me and my colleagues. Um, I'm mostly focused on the hotels industry, but I mean, yeah, we always end up kind of picking up on each other's um, stories and um, that sort of thing as as the need goes. Um, yep. And yeah, I, but I also do features. I do also do sort of longer and analytical pieces on the industry, uh, features, menu watches, that sort of thing. And uh, actually, it's f- quite funny. A lot of people um, ask me about my job. A lot of people think that I'm a food critic. Okay. <laughs> well, all yeah. in good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I usually have to kind of explain that I'm actually yeah I'm a news reporter and I talk to people about their businesses and and their food I talk to chefs about their food I talk to hoteliers about the businesses that sort of thing I don't and while I yeah I do obviously get to eat in some amazing places I don't I don't sit there reviewing the food (laughs) right good to to clarify great well well, let's go all the way back to the beginning um not birth we don't need to go that far but um (laughs) I don't know, from from school, what did you do at university? And just talk us through your story to how you ended up doing this. Sure. Um, So I actually, I'm one of those people who actually, I I knew what I wanted to do from a very young age. I I knew, I I always knew I wanted to write. And I thought at 13 years old, how can I get paid to write? And 
I thought about journalism. And so, you know, on that, um, you know, that sort of week that you do as part of school where you go and, you know, you spend a week doing work experience somewhere when yep. you're quite young. Yeah. So um, I ended up at the at my local paper, which was the Pontypool Free Press in Wales. Um, and yeah, I just absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. I got my first byline there. I, they got me doing lots of writing. Um, they actually sent me out. Um, they just literally sent me out of the office on my first day and said, go find a story. <laughs> um, right. so I ended up kind of traversing the streets of Pontypool trying to find something. And, um, right. yeah, it was, it was amazing. I don't know if they'd let you do that these days. I don't know whether health and safety would allow that. <laughs> That's a very broad remit as <laughs> yeah. well. Yes, exactly. What did you find? Um, oh, gosh, do you know what? I can't remember. I know that I found a local notice board and I ended up looking at what all the sort of local meetings and news was going. I can't remember exactly what I found, I'm afraid. But um, I do remember I did come out with something and I was very proud of that. And they did let me write whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And I've still got those cuttings under my bed, <laughs> which they're all very old and yellow now. But, um, yeah, still got them. Um, yeah. So yeah, I sort of I, yeah I decided that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a journalist, and so when I left, I did I did English Lit at university at Warwick um, because officially you are the second person I've had on the show. Really, on English Lit, and I, I oh, yes. never thought in a million years that I'd ever find one. Um, and and you, you know it was uh, Kate Nichols was the other one, yes. and. I found it really fascinating to to learn from her as to why it's monumentally useful, mm. like even beyond writing. Obviously, it's going to be, I would imagine, really useful for you as a writer, but mm. but actually just day to day in terms of having an, a knowledge of the English language. I mm. found that really interesting. Yeah. And I would, I couldn't even begin to give a, as good a defense of the English lit degree as Kate Nichols did. So I won't even yeah. try. Just go, just listen to that, that podcast. And she does it far better than I ever could. It's a bit more practiced. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but also she took it, you know, I mean, I know that she said that she, you know, she, she wanted to be a journalist and she took it down a very different route. And that's the thing we, I'm sure while we have very many similarities in in how we've used the skills that we've developed over those years, there's probably a lot of differences as well, I imagine. And yeah, but I, I mean, I actually did that because, well, I mean, partly just because I wanted to spend four years of my life reading and talking about books, which yep. were the, probably the best four years of my life. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and But also because I, I was, I think I was told at the time that you know, well, I just, I felt that I didn't necessarily want to make a decision, you know, I mean, making a decision about what you want to do, even age 17 is, you know, it's a big decision. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily want to do a journalism undergrad. So I did, yeah, I did English first. And I knew that, you know, if I, if I still wanted to be a journalist, by the time I came out of university, I'd at least, I'd at least have a good BA that had, you know, sort of a really broad remit, and then I could specialise. So then I ended up doing a master's in magazine journalism at City University in London. Okay. And yeah, that was, again, an incredible course. It, it really was fantastic. It was the most intense year of my life. Um, I was living on very little money in um, in a shared house in, in North London. And but it was I just, you know, I just learned so much. I had some fantastic tutors who were both very focused on helping me as a journalist, but also help, I, it was very vocational, surprisingly so. It wasn't okay. just kind of developing your writing style. It was developing, it, it was making sure that you were employable when you got out of that course, that you were able to find a job. 
and yeah. I really appreciated that because yeah it's and it's 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 helped me so much in my in my career I have to say was um, that around kind of uh, I suppose putting yourself in the shoes of who you're writing for rather than writing something that you just want to do yourself or is it something completely different oh gosh everything yeah absolutely um putting yourself thinking what do my readers want absolutely and that when identifying that is so vital to what you do as as a journalist you've always got to be thinking what are my readers going to find interesting what details yeah. are they going to want to know and yeah so I, I apply that every single day to what I do for the caterer it's always thinking right what will what what do, you know what is going what are hospitality professionals going to want to know um, from this story is this going to be interesting to them um, you know if if so what what aspects are missing from this story you know what details are maybe missing who should I speak to from the industry that's going to help kind of give you know lend weight to this story yeah and and yeah I mean at the moment of course that's incredibly important for what we're doing you know, we're constantly thinking, how can we be helping people through the current crisis? How, you know, what do people need to know? What kind of, what do they need? You know, what do they need from the government? It's, yeah, it's what we're thinking about every day, every single story. And, yeah. and yes, that's, that's what they really helped me with that course. But also, they actually kind of, kind of the reason I ended up at the caterer, actually, because I, I sort of got into journalism thinking, oh, wait, you know what? Like, like most young journalists, I'd love to write about like food or travel. <laughs> Wouldn't that be right. lovely? Travel and write about it, get paid for it. <laughs> you know what? I, I um, weirdly, I can relate because um, one of my first jobs was working on cruise ships, mm-hmm. and obviously that's travel, but in a you know a very different kind of way. But you're you're waking up seeing different places every day. And seeing all these sights and sounds, and I'd really wanted at that point to get into travel writing, mm, okay. uh, just on a freelance basis while I was kind of plugging into my my actual job. I didn't take it anywhere uh, ultimately because the, the the job itself was too too full on. But mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless, I kind of I think it comes to everybody who's got a slight interest in food and travel, mm. and especially for somebody like you who then wants to write, it kind of makes sense. It's never too late, Phil. You could always yeah, well, take it you know, up. Starts with a podcast, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's so yeah. I kind of got into you know thinking, oh, I'd love to travel and or you know or write about food, that sort of thing. You know, things that I was already passionate about. I did. Um, I, I did. I used to work at a pub actually. Uh, you know, so I was the kind of the Sunday lunch girl um, at my local pub, and right. yeah. And so I've always been very interested in food. Um, you know, some of the some of the biggest investments. You know, sort of from early pocket money days were cookbooks and baking books. I think my dad will always say that one of the great best investments he ever made was buying me a set of Delia Smith cookbooks. Right. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I wanted to write about it. And actually it was the, it was the tutors on my course that reminded me that you don't necessarily have to go down the consumer route or the nationals. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to write for the observer. You don't necessarily have to, try and get a job at Lonely Planet you know because everyone's trying to get a job at Lonely Planet there are a lot of trade magazines out there that you know you can write about these things you can get you can really get your teeth into the industry and the people who are in it you know sorry not get your teeth into the people who are in it that sounds awful doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) you know that that's going in the uh in the intro right oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah. (laughs) but um you know you can get to know the people who who help you know who are part of the industry you can really get a feel for for it in a way that 
actually, I, I wonder if I, I mean I don't know because I've I've, I've only uh, I only spent one year on a consumer magazine before I joined the caterer, but I don't think you quite you know really get a feel for an industry as you would in a trade publication and. So yeah, they you know they always said you know sort of try and get work experience or you know try you know don't um don't necessarily rule that out, and mm. so yeah I um I actually so I ended, when I came out of university I actually ended up uh, working for a baby magazine <laughs> that was my first uh, job baby a baby magazine yes age twenty two twenty three maybe I think it was twenty three right. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't exactly what I what I had in mind. I was doing the social media, you know, I was focusing on the Twitter and the Facebook and all of that rather than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I got made redundant <laughs> within a year, okay. um, unfortunately. Um, but actually, when, so before I got that job, I had applied for a job at the caterer um, and I got turned down. But they said, you know, we're just looking for someone with more experience. And so when I got made redundant, um, I think about a couple of weeks after I got made redundant, I saw that another reporter job had come up at the caterer. And right. I thought, do you know what? It can't hurt. I'll apply again. You know, I've got, no- I've got nothing else going on right now. You know, they said they wanted more experience. Well, hey, I've got a year's experience. I'll see if that's enough. Yeah. And yeah, they, they brought me back in for an interview and well it's more of a coffee and a chat really because you know sort of I knew the publication really well by that point I had you know in the previous um in the previous interview I'd been interviewed by most of the members of sort of senior members of staff um I'd been brought in for a day's trial so you know I'd already done a bit of work on the magazine and yeah and then um yeah I had a, I had a bit of an awful time of it actually in not in terms of the interview but in terms of being made redundant it was it was quite um yeah, it hurt a lot being made redundant my first job within a year as a new as yeah. a new graduate. You know that that hurt a lot. But um, yeah, so I had a bit of a you know sort of a bit of a wobbly, <laughs> and uh, went. I just ended up going to visit my boyfriend in Berlin for my birthday, and the day bef- and that was my sort of treat. And the day before I was due to leave, I just had this awful moment. You know, I just started crying. As you know, I had nothing to go back for. You know, I didn't have a job. I had no money. And right. um, literally, I think it was, I got in the door it, back to my, back to the uh, house in London um, with my suitcase and I got a call offering me the job. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> if only they called me one day earlier, I wouldn't have had that massive wobbly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, literally I got through the door with my suitcase and I yeah, got the call saying they'd like to offer me the job. So yeah, that was, that was four years ago now. And um yeah, now I'm a senior reporter, sort of, as I said, generally focusing on hotels. And that's that's how I got here, basically. Yeah. So on your one thing that I, um, when I was when I was doing my research, which uh, you doesn't... You've researched um, me. And, oh, yeah, and, and well, of course, because obviously we, all I know is um, our, I've just realized I'm sitting on a very squeaky <laughs> chair. I don't know if that's going to come on the, um, on the podcast, but um, now you all know. Um, but anyway... <laughs> You, of course, when you when you kind of get to know somebody through doing an activity like we have, you you do get to know each other very very well. But then, actually, the bones of what makes up your day to day job, I don't necessarily know. So I, I figured it was useful to at least do some research. Do you want to know some of the things I found found out? <laughs> I'm sure you're going to tell me whether I want to hear it or not. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, no, none of them none of them are bad. So okay. don't worry. Um, there were a couple of things that really just kind of stood out for me. One when uh, you look for you on the caterer, that there are 171 pages of content that you've written. <laughs> that's not 171 articles. Yeah. That's 171 pages of 
multiple articles that are that are on yeah, there. Yeah, we're keeping busy. Um, yeah, <laughs> not half. And then uh, on your LinkedIn profile, it said that you you have published in the Guardian, in British Airways, High Life, mm-hmm. Chemist and Druggist, yes. Food and Travel, and Wanderlust. Yes. So I, f- I feel like we need to explore these. Okay. Explain. <laughs> um, so, yes, I did. So those were all um, work experience, basically. Um, when you're yeah. looking to get into journalism, um, a big part of kind of breaking into it is is building your contacts and build, you know, and obviously literally getting published. You know, you want to be able to go to employers and say, I've had this published. I've had my name in these publications. You know, this is, you know, and literally, I mean, it's probably very old fashioned now. I don't, I don't know. Obviously, haven't sort of um, you know. I don't know what the young people are doing these days. But you know, I literally, I still have a uh, you know a book full of all my cuttings. You know, full of my physical, yeah. mag, you know, the physical um, articles that I've had published. Um, and yeah, so when and actually, I've got to, I've got to do a shout out to one of my friends, Natasha Clark. She's now um, a political journalist at the Sun. Um, and we went, we were at uni together. She was the editor of the Warwick, the University of Warwick newspaper, The Boar. Um, and I was her deputy editor. <laughs> and I was really right. looked up to her. And she, she filled, she packed out every single university holiday with so much work experience and all these internships. And I just remember looking at her when I was at uni with her thinking, oh my gosh, I should be doing this. You know, I'd, I'd had a, as I said, I've had a couple of, I'd had a couple of stints at, you know, local papers and things like that, but um, never to the extent that she had. So I, so I, right, I thought, right, I've got to get, I've got to get some work experience. I've got to get, you know, sort of, I've got to get onto the nationals, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I ended yeah. up, um, I did a, gosh, I did a week's work experience on the student section of The Guardian and yeah, managed to get a um, an article published <laughs> just because, um, and that was obviously during university. And so I kind of was obviously very um, switched on to what was going on in university at the time. And it was, that was something to do with, I think they, that year they'd said that they weren't allowing digital wristwatches or something because that was around the time when Apple watches were becoming a thing. And they were nervous okay. about that. So that was, yeah, that was that. Um, I did, yeah, I had a great time at British Airways High Life. I think I went back there twice um, and, you know, wrote a lot, again, wrote a lot about food and travel. And I did a couple of internships with Wanderlust. And they, I feel like I've grown up with Wanderlust, actually, because, again, writing about food and travel. And I still go to their events now. You know, we still sort of keep in touch. They, they, they were brilliant and really, you know, gave me, gave me some great writing opportunities on the website. And, yeah, it's. I mean, it's good and it's bad because the pro- one of the problems with journalism is to do all of this. I obviously had to. I mean, so for instance, when I was at university, uh, when I did sorry, when I did my masters, a lot of the people who were on my course lived in London, um, as in their families. Were, okay. Sorry, they were from London. They lived in London because they were from London. Yeah. They li- they were still living with their families. They didn't have the issue of having to pay for rent. Being from South Wales, um, I didn't necessarily have, I didn't start out with a lot of journalism contacts or, you know, sort of a lot of local magazines to to choose from when it came to work experience. So you do, you know, yeah, when you're you're sort of, when you're not from a a city, you you have to travel, you have to sort of obviously find people who will put you up. Thankfully, I had some very understanding friends of the family and friends of friends and friends and friends of friends of friends. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not even joking. I did once turn up to um, a friend of a friend, I think it was a friend of a friend's house and he wasn't there. And I had to kind of explain to his mum that I didn't really know her son that well, <laughs> but she was putting me up for a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, so was she a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend or just a friend of a friend of a friend? I think the latter. <laughs> I mean, either way, right. a friend now because he, you know, he did turn up and, you know, bless him, he was, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he put me, um, he and his mum put, put me up for a week because uh, I couldn't afford to, obviously, to be staying in sort of hotels or anything at that point. Um, it's, it is a bit of a barrier to journalism, unfortunately. And um, thankfully, there now there are some really great um, opportunities out there, some really great, I don't, don't know whether they're sort of grants or scholarships, but, you know, a lot of good things like that that are really trying to help people who, you know, who, who don't necessarily have that kind of ability to crash on people's sofas or, you know, sort of yeah. stay in a and b for a night or, or something to ensure that they can also travel to, you know, or make sure that they can get that work experience as well. But yeah, yeah so that's, that's kind of how I ended up sort of doing work for them. It was all work experience, you know, sort of one week, two week, um, maybe a month's internship, that sort of thing. I actually I look back on on that when I started and I when I started working properly when I actually started getting paid for what I do and I think I did I ended up doing six months of free work between the ages of about gosh I probably probably I mean over a space of years but yeah I did six months free work essentially yeah right which some people unfortunately can't afford to do. And it's, yeah, it's sad. And, yeah. you know, the industry is, is getting better at, at that. But yeah, that's, so the, yeah, that's how I, that's how I did that. Right. So when, I mean, it sounds like you kind of knew fairly early that you, that you wanted to specifically focus on hospitality, but was there a, was there a moment where you just thought that is just what I want to do? Ooh, um, I mean, as I said, it was it was one of the first jobs I applied for straight out of university. So yes, in in the sense that when I saw the job um, application, I definitely thought, "Oh, that sounds great!" Interviewing chefs, you know, going to hotels—it all sounded very glamorous. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, and yeah, but also, I'm as I said, I'm just I'm, I've always been really interested in food, and this sounded like a great way of not just sort of writing about food for other people who are interested in food it was a great way of talking to people where food is their life you know it's you yeah. know food food is their job food is their very yeah food is their obsession and yeah as you say very different perspective and I yeah I thought that sounds really interesting and so I think I, yeah I, I was always I was aware of the caterer before I applied for the job but yeah when I saw the job application I started reading the kind of um the kind of articles that we write um, yeah, I just thought, yeah, that that sounds absolutely fascinating. I'd love to, I'd love to try my hand at that. Yeah, well, and you have. Yes. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, still trying, absolutely. still trying. Yeah. So you're, I mean, obviously at the moment, you as as per the world is kind of, I suppose, head in COVID nineteen a little bit more mm. than than anyone would probably like to be. But what do you see? coming out of that because I suppose you're you're in a, lu a luxury position in one way because you get a, a kind of a sweeping view uh, as opposed to a lot of people who maybe are stuck in their own little world and I don't mean that in a negative way that's mm. just the way it is what do you what do you see coming out of the industry at the moment in this torrid time 
Gosh, well, I mean, it's so difficult to say at this point, isn't it? Because it feels like everything, everything's changing on a daily basis. I mean, you know, it's yeah. definitely week to week, everything's changing so quickly. And while, you know, last week we were talking about what could reopening look like, this week, as of Sunday, what was it, Michael Gove said that hospitality businesses are going to be some of the last to reopen. So, yeah. and there's been... Thanks for that, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, I you know, I don't, you know, this isn't new. This isn't sort of a, a news line. So you know, this isn't a sort of a, you know, no, we've had no confirmation on this, but the, you know, there have been murmurings that some businesses may not reopen until the winter, and it's yeah. So who knows what businesses could look like at that point? I mean, obviously, it's it's very sad that we're already seeing some closures, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's. I don't want to be depressing, but I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more. But on a positive note, I did um, I interviewed um, the chief executive of Hospitality Action, Mark Lewis, about two weeks yep. ago, um, who ha- actually happens to be my old boss. <laughs> um, that was yeah, inter- yeah. Was <laughs> yeah. He used to be the publisher and editor of the Caterer. <laughs> Right. Back uh, back when I started, and uh, yeah, now obviously he's at Hospitality Action. It was very, it's a very weird experience interviewing my old boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, but he was saying that he and something I think I can see happening is that pe- I mean people right now are really missing. Obviously, they're really missing their friends and their family, but they're all also really missing going to the pub with their friends and family and yeah. having a pint and missing their favorite restaurants you know missing going out for a pizza or you know missing going out for a celebratory dinner for their birthday and I totally agree with Mark when he said that he thought there'll be a greater respect for and sympathy with and empathy with the hospitality industry people will be far more grateful for those businesses you know people will really appreciate having having them there and I also, and in addition to that, I also hope that um, you know the government will realise what a you know what an important industry we are, and and yeah, and sort of how we're you know we're not full of unskilled workers. We you know I I, I don't think I've ever met an unskilled worker in the hospitality no. industry. Um, I, I, to be honest, I think this has come up in in every chat that I've had yeah. so far. I mean, obviously before COVID nineteen took off, it was kind of the big thing. At the at the time was mm. the fact that the you know the government had obviously announced the 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 unskilled uh, bannering, and it seems like it was so long ago, it but does. it was only like <laughs> probably like six weeks ago or something like that. It's just I think it's incredible. It's like ancient history right now, but at the same time, yeah, I hope that as I said, there's a renewed respect for not just the sort of the businesses as a whole, but the people who who work in them. Yeah, absolutely, and I think hospitality is. The I think coming back to your chat, I suppose with with Mark, and this is the point it was maybe making is is that a lot of people probably won't realise how deep seated or deep rooted something was in their local community until mm. it's gone. It's um you know if you're used to going to the pub on a a Friday after work, um and all of a sudden you can't do that, um you know you, you've just got into the habit of doing that and it's a culture shock, but after a couple of weeks of not being able to do it. You you then begin to realise that my my God I, I really um really did need that in my life and I don't mean the alcohol element but the um the social element mm, the community um, element yeah absolutely yeah. yeah 
Anyway, I, I digress. I'm very good at that. Um, <laughs> but um, what do you kind of take the most pleasure in reporting on? Ooh, Ooh that's a good question. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm getting into this journalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, I take really great pleasure when I any article that I think has had a positive impact um, in, in any way. Um, so for instance, that could be, I did, uh, an article a couple of years ago on a, uh, basically someone had come to us and said that uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but there was something not right with how housekeepers were being paid. Um, and we did an article, well, we, we contacted the, um, one of the businesses that was mentioned and um, they looked into it and they found that there, there were issues with the payment and they made sure that all of those housekeepers were retrospectively paid for, you know, for, for work that they had done, I think it was. And, and yeah, it was, and that, you know, that, that felt really great actually making, you know, making that kind of impact on, on people, you know, people I've never met, people I never will meet in all likelihood. But knowing that yeah. that had had a positive impact on someone's life somewhere, on a more personal note, I feel I really love telling. I mean, part of what I love about my job is I love telling stories. I love hearing people's stories. I love sitting there and listening to them, which is why it feels so unnatural to be on a podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, funnily enough, I'd, I'd 100% relate to that. And it's kind of, I suppose, it's the reason why the podcast even exists. Mm is because you know I'm a, as you know I, I recruit by day and I meet an awful lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and everybody has a, a very very different story and um, I just I find that really really interesting and I could just sit and listen to people's stories all day yeah every day yeah absolutely and that's that's why we're here yeah and um, I particularly, in, in terms of what I do on a day-to-day basis, I particularly love telling, I mean, obviously I love meeting, you know, the big names of the industry and talking to them about their businesses and their successes. And, uh, but I also, I re- what I really, really love is talking to the businesses that don't actually get necessarily a lot of coverage, you know, the sort of the, the new businesses maybe who aren't in London, you know, who don't apart from you know maybe a couple of articles in the local press don't necessarily have this story told very widely and so to have an article you know I I hope I don't sound big-headed in saying this but to have an article in the caterer means a lot to them and I I love that I love you know sort of going to the sort of new 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 restaurants you know these sort of small businesses and telling their stories in the caterer and sorry it's all sounding very whimsical but I I, I really do love that you know and they sort of getting getting email afterwards saying you know that they they felt that we'd really told their story and you know how much it meant to them to get that kind of um, recognition from the trade as well as consumers that 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 really means a lot to me that I really love that I think there's an awful lot of well we all know there's an an awful lot of really wonderful people in this industry and they're very very quick to shout out about good stuff that happens and i think the a, a lot of the time you know yes there's there's kind of some competition in in some areas but even in the competitive areas nobody wants to see a competitor go out of business and that's the the feeling that i've, I've definitely feel that right now in the, the time that we live in and i suppose from what you're reporting on is that in actual fact it's it's the competitors who are the readership 
But then I suppose equally, everyone is also a consumer of hospitality, right? It doesn't matter if you're a, a chief executive of a, a restaurant company, you're still going to go out somewhere else to eat at some point somewhere else. So um, I've co completely gone off on a tangent again. <laughs> well, no, I, no I, I, com I completely, completely agree. It's, it's yeah, it, the one of the things I love about this industry as well is the people in it, as you say, they don't, they may be competitors, but most of them are actually also great friends and they support each yeah. other and they just genuinely, genuinely, I can't say genuinely, genuinely <laughs> lovely people who, who support each other. And um, yeah, they, they all support each other. They look after each other. And I mean, they're hospitable, aren't they? That's the whole point. They're hospitable yeah. people. For, they're in hospitality. They're hospitable people. And they're just nice people. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever been in, been in an industry where the people have been so lovely to speak to and so eager to chat. Yeah. <laughs> Which has just been, you know, makes my, it's make, makes my life and makes my job very easy. Yeah. I think that's, that's right at the heart of the industry, isn't it? Um, as to why people do this in the first place. That you, um, if you're not kind of chatty and um, just enjoy meeting and speaking to people, then there's probably a different sector for you somewhere. Mm, mm, yeah. But uh, okay, coming back to your stories, um, have you got anything funny or stupid that's happened to you along the way? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, right. Let's let's have a think. Funny, funny things. So, ugh, I, feel, I feel really the first thing that springs to mind I feel really awful saying this actually because at the time it wasn't funny and it was particularly not funny for the person it happened to because it didn't happen to me so um right. when I was doing a feature on a uh, lovely luxury hotel bless them they were really kind as to um to give us to offer me dinner the um the night that I was interviewing them that evening um, and also yep. a stay, which, you know, I mean, that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always incredibly grateful and never take for granted, though, you know, when that does happen. <laughs> and yeah, espe yeah, especially now, I mean, it's, yeah, especially now, it's, you know, it's really something that, yeah, we're, we're you know, I, I, I mean, I can't even say how, much, how grateful I am right now for that. Um, but yeah, yep. so we're, we were staying at this lovely luxury hotel. Um, and, yeah, we, we arrived for dinner and um, I was with, and they let me bring a plus one. So I, I took my boyfriend, Rob, who you of, of course know. <laughs> yep. And, um, and but he, I, he'd not been feeling so good that day. He'd had a bit of a headache. He'd said before dinner, he'd had a bit of a headache. And yeah, but we were, you know, we sort of, we went down to dinner and as it was a proper tasting menu, I mean, God, the chef had really pulled out all the stops for us bless him <laughs> and um i'm dribbling just thinking about it to be honest. <laughs> um oh and just to make sure i should also point out for the purposes purposes of the story i'm a i'm a vegetarian so which is obviously a bit odd for people <laughs> in our industry and a sort of someone who writes about food but yeah i don't i don't eat meat anymore um <laughs> i don't think it's that odd anymore <laughs> true actually yeah that's true yeah so plenty of, of vegan and vegetarian sort of chefs and and restaurants popping up these yep. days aren't there but um yeah, so I had the either vegetarian option, and uh, but Rob had the had the meat option. But as the courses, as the tasting menu went on, and obviously, as you know, these things can you know they can be quite yeah. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of courses. There's you know they can take some time. And as the evening went on, he was he was feeling worse and worse, and looking worse and worse. 
And um, <laughs> unfortunately, it got to the point where um, I think it was the sort of, it was actually around the sort of main course. He just, he said, I've, I've got to go. I can't, I can't keep eating. I Lesson. just can't. Yeah. Um, and so we had to leave the table, but they'd already done all the prep and, you know, sort of started cooking all of the food. Um, you know, so, cause I, so I explained, I explained to the waitress when, when she came around to clear our plates, what had happened, you know, I said it was, it, it wasn't the food he was feeling ill before dinner, just to clarify, yeah. um, you know, and it was just really unfortunate timing, but he wasn't going to be um, able to, to come back and she said oh you know that obviously bless her she was so understanding she said oh that's that's really unfortunate I'm so sorry about that but you know we've we've actually you know we've we've still the food is still being made you know would you like us to bring out the dishes anyway you know they're already being made and you know you can try some of them and and so I guess I'm one of those kind of I wouldn't say loose vegetarians but I'm I feel very strongly that if someone accidentally serves me meat I don't want that then to go in the bin if right. that makes sense, you know, right, I feel yeah. like it's far worse for it to go in the bin and be completely wasted, um, and for that, you know, for that food to be completely wasted than than for me to eat it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, the, the the animal's already dead. Um, you know, the food has already been prepared. So, yeah, I ended up <laughs> eating <laughs> about three <laughs> three courses to myself, and you know, as you know, but just for you know context of anyone who's listening um you know I'm five foot three I'm, I'm quite a small person <laughs> so to eat sort of about six courses to myself and I'd already had quite a few courses I mean I was quite impressed with myself frankly but yeah so and I yeah I did eat the meat as well it was lovely really great food um and yeah I, mean, well, I got to that's where you're gonna you know break your um your, your kind of ethos you know you, you break it in style yes absolutely do yeah. on the fine dining absolutely yeah <laughs> or on something really really filthy like a really good burger but i, yeah. but I don't <laughs> i don't most <laughs> once or twice a year i will yeah someone will accidentally serve me meat or you know it'll accidentally be served to me and i'll eat it but yeah most 90 percent of the time i'm a vegetarian um but yeah and then i so I, the story gets worse though i went back to <laughs> i went back to the room and yeah rob's bless him he's in an absolutely awful state um, and um yeah he uh, he ended up having to run to the loo and ended up being ill all over the wall of this lovely luxury hotel's oh bathroom Lord. and so I spent most of that night cleaning the wall goodness I thought you were this... gonna say so we we insulted the chef because we neglected <laughs> his food uh, we insulted the housekeeping staff because we <laughs> de- destroyed the room. But um, but no, good oh, on you. you. I felt... Sorry. I was just going to say you you were you were good enough to to clean it up. Oh, I felt awful. Oh gosh, I would never would have left that for anyone. So, <laughs> yeah, I felt absolutely awful. We both did, and so yeah, I I spent the night cleaning it. Yeah, as best I could. <laughs> um, I obviously won't name the hotel. Uh, we you know I didn't disclose it on check. I hope I did a good enough job whereby you know hopefully wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't noticed. But um, yeah, that that happened, and I hate to say it, but we look back on it now and we do we do laugh. We do laugh so much. You know this wonderful fine dining meal, this lovely luxury hotel, and completely wasted on rob completely wasted yeah. uh i can um relate to wasted food experiences a little bit in fact i think i've, I've told you this one before but for the sake of our, our listeners i'll bore them with it for for two seconds it was on the back of uh panto year one that that you and i did not the the first year that it existed mm. for those of you who don't know springboard do a pantomime um every year 
I, well, I don't know if they'll do it this year, given the situation that we're in, but um, but let's see. It's pretty intense, pretty full on, and and at the end of it, we we do kind of let our hair down a little bit uh, on the, the final light. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. So um, my lovely lady had very kindly, um, we'd just seen Sophie Peake do, I think she was on MasterChef um, when they were doing their kind of final, when they go out into uh, you know, a restaurant, a Michelin star restaurant around the world somewhere. And we just looked at the food and went, oh, oh wow, it'd be great if she was here. And then I went, she is, she's in London at the uh, Four Seasons Trinity Square. Let's book there. And she, she treated me to uh, a tasting lunch there on the back of a very, very, very heavy night out. And let me tell you, uh, for any the best piece of advice I can give to anybody is don't waste time on a fine dining experience when you're hungover. <laughs> That's the biggest learning from there. Yep, yep. <laughs> when all you really want is pizza and chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just to get home and go to bed. That, that too, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're a um, obviously you you take a, a great interest in uh, reading and writing. We've spoken books before, but what's what do you kind of generally get your head into? Uh, anything and everything I can find. <laughs> um, yeah, as yeah, as an English lit student, um, yeah, obviously I, sp- I spent four years studying everything from, you know, uh, it, it was it was articles, um, nonfiction, fiction plays poetry I mean anything you can you can imagine and I, I love all of the above um I guess yeah I try, I try to kind of read a little bit of non-fiction as well as fiction I must say I do love a good novel I really love a good novel yeah. um and yeah I'm, I'm not I'm, I've not been as good at, I know a lot of people are reading right now you know now that we're all sort of sat, sat at home I've not been so good because actually work's been incredibly busy and I normally read on my commute which obviously I don't have anymore of course, yeah um but I'd say yeah though I mean I just I try and I try to keep it as varied as possible as well so for instance the one of the last books that I really really loved was a book called Sweet Bean Paste and I'm probably going to say this wrong the author's name was Durian Sukagawa um and it's based in Japan and it was absolutely brilliant definitely read it if you get the chance in terms of non-fiction if anyone's anyone out there sort of looking to be a journalist, hospitality or otherwise, I would definitely recommend um, John Snow's autobiography called Shooting History. Right. It's amazing. And it's all about because obviously, we, you know, the John Snow that we kind of know is obviously the, uh, you know, sort of the the anchor on the news um but he, you know, not, had, not the one in game of thrones not the one in game of thrones ah, no. right. yeah. <laughs> although he had a very interesting life as well <laughs> i quite believe it yeah yeah but there's so john snow before before he before he did that you know he had a really amazing amazing career you know sort of working abroad as a as a journalist and before before he was even a journalist actually he um spent a lot of time working with homeless people i think with and i think it was i think it was with a homeless charity um and yeah he just had a really amazing story one of the things that really stood out to me so when you're in when you're in journalism obviously you you, you know you hear people's stories and you know some of them are absolutely heartbreaking and you know you you know that the only thing you can do is is tell the story you know you can't really help you know so for instance now with the with coronavirus you know I'm hearing some heartbreaking stories about some businesses that are really struggling and like you know I just you know I want to put my arms around these people and hug them and tell it's tell them it's all going to be okay and you know I I want to I want to help and but you know the best you can do is is tell these stories make 
you know, provide those articles for, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe UK hospitality to take to government and, or to, you know, for, for people to be able to read, to know what's going on in the industry. Um, But when it comes to Jon Snow, one of the, one of the stories that really stood out to me was when he um, interviewed, I think it was the um, dictator Idi Amin. And he sat, yeah. And he sat there and he says that he sat there and he sort of talks through his big, his big mental battle of whether he should shoot him whether he you know this this dictator who'd killed all these people whether yeah you know whether he should kill him and it's it's just yeah i know it's and you know obviously my my job is nowhere near that dramatic you know i'm not not in front of anybody yet where you felt that way no (laughs) thankfully not i've pretty much everyone i've ever interviewed has been absolutely lovely (laughs) certainly no one ever i've ever wanted to kill But um, yeah, that's and it sort of it gives a but it also gives a really good insight into you know sort of the importance of telling the story um, and listening to the story. Yeah. I also um, actually one thing that's been really kind of getting me through is um, so someone for Christmas bought me a book called A Poem for Every Night of the Year. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's literally you know as it says on the tin, it is um, it's just you know a page or two of a poem and you read it every night before you go to bed. And that's, yeah, I think it sort of, it makes me feel like I've achieved something. I've read a poem today, you know, I've, I've sort of had some insight into some other time, some other place. I've read something. Um, and in, I think people need to be really kind to themselves at the moment. I know we're seeing a lot of people who are, you know, achieving really amazing things, you know, doing really amazing, you know, work in the industry, lobbying, volunteering, and, you know, absolutely yeah. hats off to those people, but, you know, or making a really, a really great sourdough, you know, I've seen some really great sourdoughs on, the, uh, on Instagram. They're everywhere, aren't they? Like rubbing they it in everywhere. my face. <laughs> I, 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 managed to cook, I managed to cook mine. <laughs> right. As in my starter. Um, I put it in the oven and literally a couple of hours after having said to Rob, do not put that oven on without checking it. Do not, because you will ruin the starter. <laughs> I did. I did it um, myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, but in in times like this, we need to be kind to ourselves. I think, and if it's okay to not have achieved something every single day, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I can people, agree more with that. Yeah. You, have, you have to remember that that everybody is in a, a very different place and space, and yeah. they've got lots going on uh, locally as well as nationally and globally and you know just because you feel that that you know two of your three neighbors have gone out and done something amazing it doesn't you shouldn't feel bad for not having done that you know we're all kind of in a a state of survival I suppose at the moment um and figuring out the best foot forward yeah yeah it's it's okay just to get through the day and you know it's okay to cry as well it's okay just you know we're all in a really stressful situation right now and I, yeah, I guess that that relating to a question you asked me earlier about you know what what sort of stories um I you know I've sort of really really like telling or really proud of yeah I, I yeah mental health stories actually um it's a, it's a personal passion of mine and you know I'm really keen about talking about it particularly in the hospitality yeah. industry and right now frankly everyone needs to be looking after the mental health as you know however that is whether that's you know allowing yourself a day of vegging on the sofa and watching Netflix or you know, or going out and doing something amazing, going out for a run, if that's what, what helps you, yeah. you know, what, whatever helps you, every, you know, just everyone, yeah, everyone just needs to be kind to themselves right now. Yeah, I couldn't, that's a great mantra for life. And I hope that actually some of that maintains uh, on the back of this, because, you know, I, 
and not that I'm I'm, I'm anti busy, but I think as a lot of people get themselves into a whiz of being busy for the sake of it because that's mm. what the world is doing. But actually, if you just take a moment to to really analyze what you need to be doing and um, and the time that you need to give to something, I've actually found this period really really useful for me to reconnect with routine. I've uh, having been a business owner now for just over five years a lot of that time especially in the early stages was kind of spent in chaos really just you're getting going and seeing where we could go you're looking at every idea that comes but actually this period for me has been about setting my alarm you're getting into the routine I even did Joe Wicks um, (laughs) and and the children's workouts were absolutely my level for about two weeks Um, (laughs) and thankfully I've graduated now so but um, uh, especially, I don't know if you've done the Joe Wicks, but there's a great exercise. Uh, it's called a bunny hop, where you actually do have to put your your hands on your head like a bunny and hop around the living room. It's just, <laughs> you have to have the curtains open for that one. <laughs> I haven't done it, but now I'm going to, now that you've just said do that. It for that. <laughs> do it for that, yeah. But, um, you know, but as you say, if you wake up and I've I've had days like this where I've woken up and I feel a little bit consumed by what's going on and you know this is kind of attacking our way of life and our understanding of the the world that we've built so you you do need to just take a moment to let yourself be um mm. and I really don't know if I'm going to be able to get through any of these podcasts without going philosophical because every single time uh philosophical yeah well that would be the name of the book um <laughs> Being philosophical. There we are. Oh, brilliant. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'm taking credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> that I didn't just digress, did I? That's that's incredible. No. I never do that. No, you were philosophical. There's nothing can't can't be philosophical and digress. It's important. No. Gotta be philosophical. Indeed. But I, I well, I think bringing it back to hospitality, I think the um the the key point in all of this is is that there there have been amazing things being done um in this time that i think surpassed my expectation of what was possible mm. um and i i feel like i'm in a fairly privileged position that I'm, I'm a small business so fairly agile but i don't feel like i could have mobilized as quickly as uh you know some of the stories that come out of the industry i, I just i have to, to to kind of bow down and and just clap yeah I don't know if- oh it- yeah. bow down and clap I think that's probably two separate things but um... <laughs> I could do two at the same time but yeah, yeah I absolutely I completely agree it's been amazing actually and that's that's kind of why I mean we started um on the caterer we started the good news blog to you know sort of um because we would get you know we were getting quite a few of these you know really really nice really heartwarming amazing stories you know at the start of when it all kicked off and yeah. we wanted to keep track of them and also you know we were thinking what you know going going full circle now to what we were just talking about at the very start you know what do our readers need from us right now and we thought you know what some people are just going to really need some positivity right now and just need to sort of you know feel a bit lifted yeah so yeah we um we started the good news blog and yeah I spent uh, I, you know I, I spent one sort of Friday afternoon just I'd, I'd had a really busy week and hadn't had time to update it and you know so I had a, like a whole page of all of these stories that I needed to add to the good news blog and I spent half of a Friday afternoon doing that and it was just brilliant it was such a nice way to end the week just read yeah just reading all these amazing ways in which the hospitality industry has stepped up to help 
communities to help vulnerable people to help you know to help nhs workers yeah. everyone it's just been absolutely incredible and there's, hats off to the industry there's almost too much to cover yeah. as well that's the thing I, every day i see something new yesterday only yesterday I, I saw i think it was on the the london news that the head chef from the dorchester had gone into his local school and was basically being a dinner man mm. um at his local school to kind of help with the the essential work that was going on in that particular building and it was just little that's one individual and then there's all these companies doing so many things it's just it's brilliant it really is yeah um and hopefully as you say people will remember this for a long time to come i hope so yeah um have you ever is there been anybody that you've ever sat in front and you've been completely terrified or starstruck by and thought how am I going to get through this oh oh that is a good question um <laughs> and I feel a bit nervous about naming people that I'm terrified of yeah obviously sort of as a journalist you try not to admit that you're scared of people but absolutely you are I've definitely gone into interviews where I've been really scared I mean you know sort of I'm really nervous about interviewing people but um starstruck I mean I've not in, I've not interviewed him. It wasn't an interview that I got starstruck, but I did get a bit starstruck in front of Tom Kerridge at the Katie's. Okay. And yeah, completely ended up waffling, saying some just, I don't even know what I said. I, very stupid stuff, absolutely very stupid stuff because I just, yeah, I just waffled. I had no, I had no idea what to say to the man. Nothing intelligent came out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah completely completely probably made a fool of myself in front of Tom Kerridge unfortunately <laughs> I've, uh, I've had that moment whereby um, I, I'm not generally somebody who gets starstruck but I've had uh, occasions whereby you go into a, a situation or a room to to deal with something or, or see someone and there happens to be somebody monumentally high profile in the room there and I've done that thing where you kind of you go um, so is everything okay oh it's you and then you remember it's you off the telly they're a human being too so let's crack on with your job yeah yeah (laughs) that's the thing it's i imagine a lot of hospitality professionals have to do this whether they're serving um you know working with big football stars actors and actresses it's yeah it's something the entire industry kind of has to deal with but uh, it's always funny when it happens because yeah as you say these are people and it's it's always it's been really it's been really nice in the industry actually for the people that I have interviewed where you know have been some of these really big name stars inevitably I don't think I've ever interviewed you know sort of a big name and not come away thinking they were absolutely lovely and just a lovely human being yeah great what would you say to somebody who who was considering a career in hospitality? Do it. <laughs> Absolutely do it. There are so many wonderful aspects to the industry and you know and this is this is the whole reason why you're doing the podcast because there are so many different stories, so many different things that you can do in the industry. It's yeah. so all-encompassing. You can you can write about it, you could cook, you could be in a hotel, you could be in a catering firm you know and I've, I've already heard some amazing stories you know from from your previous podcasts about people that have spoken about it there are just so many things that you can do and I think you know I mean I don't I don't feel necessarily uh, able to give any big life lessons at the end of the day I'm only 28 well sorry I'm 28 next month <laughs> I'm 27 but just I think if, if, 
yeah just if something sounds interesting if something kind of lights your fire you know if you think I could be passionate about that or I am passionate about that try it just give it a go yeah and I think yeah based around what we've just been talking about as well just remember that there are so many companies who who give a monkeys Mm. um about things and and not just the here and now about the world about bigger issues um and i think that that's that's definitely what um what the the upcoming workforce are are seeking and the great thing about the industry now for me is is that you don't have to go and look too deep to find it it's now almost the norm and especially with the the situation that we have now people are having to think on a more kind of worldly basis than just uh, in their their imminent locality absolutely yeah it's it's been incredible actually the I, I think and to agree with you yeah, I think there are particularly a lot of those businesses that as you say give a monkeys they, they care about their staff they care about sustainability they care about the planet all of these wider issues you know they really care I think there are a lot yeah. uh, there are a lot of those companies a lot of those businesses in the hospitality yeah but you have to care back that's the um that's the, the thing the, the the message from uncle phil um is that uh you know you you've got to you don't necessarily have to come to it straight away like you don't have to feel that pull straight away but it takes two to tangle um and a company can can care but if you're not willing to come to the party then then it's not the industry for you yeah absolutely okay um so if people wanted to get in touch with you to to learn a little bit more about who you are or just pick your brains on on uh, hospitality journalism how could they do that so many ways well um so just yeah my email address is you can get me on katherine.price at the caterer.com um i'm on twitter and obviously i'm i'm a journalist i'm on twitter i'm on instagram i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook yeah <laughs> i'm all over the internet so you, you can find TikTok? me wherever no i'm not on tiktok I'm yet are you I'm not giving in yet <laughs> yet i can see especially now in the current situation where i can see myself whiling far too much time away on tiktok at the moment so yeah. i'm also resisting wonderful well it's been a, pre- a pleasure to chat and well we'll we'll catch up again at some point in the future but thanks for your time it has been a pleasure yeah thank you no, thank you so much phil thanks for having me you're very welcome take care Take care. And there we have it. It was a genuine joy to chat to Kat, and we hope you'll agree she had some cracking stories, with our favourite moment undoubtedly. Hey! <laughs> Don't forget, we'll be launching a new episode every Wednesday. But in the meantime, we'd love for you to subscribe to the show and give us a like and a share on any of the usual social channels. See you next time. Hey! <laughs>